Birdie back. Time. Pumps. Now going to throw for the end zone. Wide open. Brandon IU. Touchdown. San Francisco. IU. IU. IU is on fire. As recently as one week and like a couple quarters ago, it looked like the San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl hopes might have just gone up in flames, which is what generally happens when you lose your two best quarterbacks in a single season. But today, Alex Smith explains how his old team destroyed Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Bucks 35-7 on Sunday. But we should call the type of pass his old teammate, Patrick Mahomes, just unveiled against the Broncos. Why the plot is thickening, you might say, in Detroit. And how it is that the Niners' new quarterback is pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Monday, December 12th. Yeah, this is ESPN Daily. So, Alex, I just need you to be honest with me. Did you get a call from the Niners this week after what happened <laughs> last Sunday to Jimmy Garoppolo? Did your phone vibrate? Did it ring? What happened? My phone blew up last week, Pablo. During, on Sunday, during the Niners game, I got just a massive amount of texts. Thankfully, none of them were from Kyle Shanahan, Pablo. <laughs> they were all just from my you know loyal, diehard Niner fans. They were like asking me if I was coming back. Um, and it was so funny. I mean, obviously, I laugh at it, uh, the, you know, the comedy of it. We were worried. We, we were worried as a show that we were going to lose you to the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> uh, never, Pablo. Come on. Never. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I watched, I watched the game last week, and I think, like, a lot of the country was pretty thoroughly impressed by this kid's like composure given the situation again hadn't heard of him hadn't thought hadn't given two thoughts about brock purdy or who he was or what he was doing until last week and then um obviously intrigued to see what was going to happen today yes uh, i think like a lot of people no i mean i came into this game having watched him go 25 of 37 for 210 yards two touchdowns and a pick to beat the dolphins 33 to 17 last week after jimmy garoppolo gets hurt and his season is over and now it's a game against, and you mentioned how Brock Purdy uh, has been like, you know, known primarily as Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick of the draft, last pick of the last round. And he comes into this game against Tom Brady in San Francisco against the Bucks, And I have no idea what to expect. I truly don't. And the thing that I have been staggered by, by other people who have noticed how much better he seems to be in the NFL than he was at Iowa State in college. And I'm just wondering, like, now, having watched yep. another game in which he defeat. I mean, it's not even... It, it, was, it was one of the worst blowouts of yep. Tom Brady's career. I mean, this game, 35-7, to 7, Alex Smith. And so what did you learn about Brock Purdy today? Well, it just makes me laugh on that note, the 35-7, to because it really should have been a shutout. But the goofy touchdown that Tampa Bay throws you know, that should have been intercepted and then ricochets up. Somehow, Russell Gage catches it from like two inches off the, the, the ground and somehow falls in the end zone. And this just to put things into perspective on how, what a blowout this game was. My wife, who's 
born and raised in the in the Bay Area and is a diehard Niners fan, says, she says like in a sympathetic voice, like, oh, well, at least they scored. Like, like the she and I, I was like, wait a second. Are you like do you are you feeling bad for Tom Brady and the Bucks here? Are you saying bless your little yes. heart to the and goat? That's, that's is like that just happening? like to me, it just like <laughs> You know, it just kind of said it all about what this game was because it was not even close. It was a complete blowout. And no, uh, you said it. I think, you know, for me, last week again, Brock Purdy comes in off the bench and and he and he plays well. He doesn't really have time. He he doesn't have time to prepare, and he's just thrust into the situation and he goes out and plays. And likewise, on the other side of the ball, a defense doesn't have time to prepare for a rookie. So. You know, the Miami Dolphins last week mm. had no idea they were going to be facing a backup. And you can't kind of make those adjustments in the middle of the game. And so here they were, a little bit kind of blood in the water. Uh, the Bucs know this is one of the best defenses in the NFL. They know all week they're facing a, a rookie in his first start. And, man, they can scheme up anything and everything they want to confuse this kid. And Todd Bowles is one of the most aggressive defensive minds in football. He loves to bring pressure. And so I was really kind of uh, intrigued to watch and see – and, and to see that, to see how, I mean, it was going to be another level here for, for Purdy. And um, it started right off the first play. I mean, the Bucks brought heat off the first play. Purdy doesn't see it. Keanu Neal comes rushing free off the edge and just absolutely tattoos Purdy. And this was one of a couple breaks that the young kid got. And, uh, you know, it could have been a sack fumble. They end up getting a roughing the passer call for a helmet-to-helmet blow, and they get a 15-yard mm -hmm. uh, penalty and a first down, and he got a do-over. Uh, he would get another one later that kind of bailed him out of an interception. But other than that, man, he handled it really well. He stood in there in the face of some pressure and looked like a, a anything but a rookie making his first start. And uh, I think for the whole NFC – and, and especially all of, you know, 49er Nation that, you know, listen, to go back to the beginning of the season, they lose Trey Lance. All of a sudden, is the season over? The guy they traded all sorts of draft yep. capital for. Yep. Their future was, was given away to get Trey Lance, yes. And somehow they pull off this, the, the miraculous deal of keeping Jimmy as the backup and and it's like written in the stars. It's perfect, right? He's having the best season of his life, you would argue, in that in that specific context. And they look like the Super Bowl contenders. We thought they were in some ways maybe even better off with Jimmy at the helm in the short term. Yes. And then he breaks his foot, right? And we're 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 all left with does this team even have a chance? What is it gonna look like? A third string quarterback, <laughs> Alex, a third string quarterback does not tend to steer a Super Bowl contender slash favorite. Right? Yep. It doesn't yep. happen. Yeah. And I think uh, the way this team is built, obviously, the, the, one of the, you know, maybe the best defense in football, uh, a ton of skill position players around the quarterback uh, where he can really takes a lot of the pressure off of him. He can really kind of be the distributor of the football, really a point guard, so to speak. And then um, a creative run game, an offensive coordinator uh, in Kyle Shanahan and play caller. And so there's really are, are a lot of pieces in place for a young quarterback to come in and have success. Again, hats off to, to Brock Purdy uh, to step in and, and to do that. He made some plays today, uh, some off-rhythm plays. He had a great little scramble touchdown. Purdy going to drop back to pass. Under pressure, going to step up, try to run for it and go to the end zone standing. Touchdown! San Francisco! And then again, stood in there versus pressure a couple times and, and made some big throws. Uh, 
one one to uh, Christian McCaffrey versus all out pressure, and then another one right before uh, halftime when they ran a little double move and he hit uh, Brandon Ayuk for a great score while while getting hit. And so uh, certainly all the Bay Area is a buzz uh, with with Brock Purdy fandom as they should be, and uh, certainly the Niners are as hopeful as they ever have been uh, about their title shot. But give me this category report that's deeper than that. Give me from the guys in this locker room, like how they actually feel about this kid that they are just meeting really for the first time in these last two weeks. What's the scouting report from them? Yeah, so part as part of the text that I got all week, <laughs> I did get informed about Brock's nickname in the locker room, <laughs> Pablo. And I don't know if it's gone around. I mean, again, I live in the Bay Area, so I don't know if I'm I hear this stuff more than anybody else. But apparently Enlighten us. He goes by he goes by big <laughs> Brock. <laughs> In the locker room. And I, you know, I, I, I got those alerts as, as not just kind of half in jest, although they don't just hand those nicknames out in the locker room. No. Uh, but I think to just his demeanor, and you heard quotes from, from Trent Williams, uh, my good friend who I played with in Washington, about this kid's demeanor in the huddle, that he was he stepped in and he was telling receivers to shut up and listen, um, that he just kind of has this thing about him. Um, you know that... Uh, <laughs> You know, as Trent said, he's like, who does this kid think he is, Peyton Manning? You know, that that he has this thing about him, and and guys respond to that. You want to see a young kid come in and and take some level of control, right? I mean, not, yeah, you don't want him to OD on it, but uh, you, you want him to be able to, to, again, for it not to be too big and to step in and, and uh, you know, command some respect a little bit and— uh, it's it, it's not too bad that he has the nickname to go alongside it. No, Big Brock energy is something that we do value on this program now. And, you know, the scouting report now, Alex, having watched him for two games, now you have a chance to make the evaluation. Uh, you can update the evaluation now. Yeah, yeah. What does it say? What, what are we learning? Yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point. We've talked about it a lot uh, on this show. That like not all rookies are created equal. Right. I mean, these guys all come in with very different resumes, very different histories, strengths. And this is a kid that has played a ton of football for a rookie. Right. I mean, this guy was a, a I think he was a three, four year starter in high school. He was the player of the year in Arizona, had in a very accomplished high school career, then goes on to Iowa State, where he's basically a four year starter. I mean, this guy, I mean, he threw for like 12,000 yards. Uh, on top of that, he almost ran for 2,000 yards. He's not a bad athlete in his own right. And, he he kind of comes down to the this is the this is the big knock pablo he's he's not he's not real tall he's barely over 6 foot he's not real big he's not real fast like nothing really jumps off the the page he doesn't have a big arm right um you know all these really like wow things we look at and look for in the underwear olympics that are the combine <laughs> um and this Again, kid, in the Olympics that you won, uh, you, yeah, uh, you're a no, former for sure. gold medalist, yep, number one yep. overall pick, Mr. Relevant, yes. But so many of them have uh, sometimes very little, if nothing to do with actually playing football on Sundays. Mm. Um, and the ones that do, I, I think so often than not, are, are really hard to measure. Um, and this kid, I think when it comes down to decision-making, accuracy, poise, um, experience again, uh, th this guy's a 23 year old rookie, but he's played a lot of football, uh, a lot of big games in college. I think that showed up and has showed up in these two games for him. It, it, it clearly isn't too big. Um, he's out there executing. And then again, I think you just see the accuracy out there that, that I could care less if you can throw it 70 yards on a knee, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. He, he, he out, he was out there hitting his spots and then processing. 
Um, this is an offense that Kyle Shanahan runs that the, the quarterback does a lot at the line of scrimmage. Mm. Uh, if you watch them, there's a lot of multiple calls always getting called at the line of scrimmage. This is a quarterback's always going to put you into the best look. Uh, two to three calls at the line. Um, quarterbacks responsible for, you know, once they get up there, based on the front they're getting, uh, the look in the secondary to get you into the right call. And that's a lot to put on a rookie in his first start. Um, but they did it all day today, watching at the line of scrimmage. Brock Purdy uh, making calls at the line of scrimmage. Never, I, I didn't see one delay of the game, one delay a game today, which is usually something you also see a lot of times in these situations. He just he, he looks so unfazed. He looks incredibly prepared. Mm. And I think if there's a if there's a situation where a rookie can really thrive, this is it, right? This has got the makings of it. Again, we talked about all the talent around him. I, I really also got to give a huge shout out to just to, to Kyle. Kyle just I think has such a great understanding. Kyle Shanahan that is of, of, of as a play caller and 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 building the scheme around him and putting quarterback into into good situations. Because I can't tell you how many times I watch, and I feel like I've been a part of this, where the you, you get a conservative play caller, Pablo, and when you're the quarterback and you know you you know when the conservative calls are coming in, and you know you, you can tell that the play callers may be scared, and then that comes into you, and, and you can't help but then you play scared or like playing not to mess up, and like that there is a subliminal message that comes in with these play calls, mm. and and for me one that just jumped out right before half. Uh, the Niners are up, I think, at this point, 21-0. Brock Purdy, uh, the Bucks brought zone pressure on a third down, and Brock Purdy didn't see it. A defensive end dropped out, and he hit he hit this defensive end right in the, right in the face uh, for an interception and kind of got bailed out with a, a you know, um, a defensive holding call that was a little suspect, but nonetheless, they called it. So we get to redo. And here they are. They're kind of on high red, high red zone. Um, mm -hmm. and Kyle Shanahan here again before half doesn't want to give the ball back uh, to Brady doesn't want to give him a chance but what does he call I mean it's an aggressive double move to Brandon Ayuk and uh, I mean the kid the young kid has just thrown an interception right this could have been a moment when Brock Purdy comes down back down to earth but instead with the ex very next call uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, just ultra aggressive double move for a touchdown and it's wide open Brandon Ayuk just absolutely toast the DB on that side. And Brock Purdy stands in while taking a shot and gets his second touchdown pass of the day. And it just like, I, I think everything there flips. And for a young quarterback to, for the, the head coach play caller to, to, to signal that in, to kind of keep his foot on the gas, uh, I think says a lot, obviously, about the confidence he has in him and um, obviously that he's trying to build. Yeah, wait, so the Kyle Shanahan system, right? Like, I have heard it said, and we've now seen it. We've run this rare, like, experiment that no team wishes to conduct during a season in which they're contenders, what happens if we lose our number one quarterback and then our number two quarterback who has taken us to a Super Bowl previously, who is by statistics, literally one of the three most accurate quarterbacks in terms of completion percentage of all time. And we throw in the last pick of the draft that we took this year. And how much of this system is just uniquely designed to accommodate that kind of of unpredictability. I mean, you, if, if you took anybody and you put them in a great offensive system, that, that more often than not, they're going to look better. I think with that, that, I guess I should say there's more to it than that. Kyle, I think, has a great understanding of his system and what he's looking for at the quarterback position. And I think there's it's it, it wasn't random that they selected Brock Purdy with the last pick of the draft, right? I, I think they identified strengths in him that they saw that fit their system, that they were looking for, that they thought that they could mold at this level. 
to go, you know, to do something like this. And, and Kyle's kind of renowned for taking these late round guys, right? Like even kind of going to the, we saw it the year they took RG3, number one. They also took Kirk Cousins, right? Later on in that draft. And, and I, I think he sees strengths um, in some of these later round picks that he knows translate to the professional level, right? Here's a guy that played, again, four-year starter at Iowa State, uh, but probably wasn't playing with guys around him like he is right now, right? No. And, and <laughs> certainly maybe even played, yeah, and certainly even played some games that he was overmatched in from a talent standpoint, uh, you know, certainly from the, the, the team was on the other side of the ball. Well, you get to the NFL, that's certainly not the case. And again, certain attributes really shine through. And, and we talked about those decision-making process, processing, accuracy. Uh, those are things that matter more often than not at the NFL level, being able to play in rhythm, um, you know, and then again, uh, this guy's certainly the, the amount of, the amount of ball he has under his belt, uh, for a 23 year old rookie is, is well above average, right? This guy's played a lot of football is, is certainly, uh, well equipped to, to, to step into this role. If they if, if a rookie was going to be able to. Well, let me, let me ask you this just because I need you to explain this to me like I'm five a little bit. Like, I've heard about the genius that Kyle Shanahan is. You've outlined a number of principles that he values, a number of skills that he needs from his quarterbacks. But if you're a quarterback, what about playing for Kyle Shanahan in that system specifically lets you be your best self? What about it, Alex? Like, as a quarterback, are you thinking to yourself, wow, in this system, I can do this. And in another one, I am doing X or Y or Z that is just not for me. What I'm really trying to say is that the system works for you. And I've played, I've played off, I've played a lot in, in, in systems and for coaches sometimes when like everything is hard. Then there's these systems, and I, I've played in these too, like in Kansas City with a bunch of good playmakers, like in Play Caller, that you don't even really feel like you have to do anything extra. You just, like, in the sense, there's, an, there's a calmness and ease that you have as a quarterback that you know the system and the players you are around you. Like, I just got to go out and make good decisions. I just got to do my job, Pablo. And then at the end of the day, you leave and you're like, oh, the stat sheet I threw for, you know, 315 and three touchdowns. And you walk away thinking, I really didn't really do anything, you know, and, and that's <laughs> that's what you want. There's no pressure on you as a quarterback to go out there and do anything above and beyond. You, you can relax and take comfort in the sense mm. that I really just got to go out and do my job. That's where you want to be. That's the system you want to play in as a quarterback. There's nothing worse than having to go out there and like, Man, I really better pull some shit out of my ass today because we're, we're there's no way we're gonna win this game. Like that's not where you want to be, and that's usually where <laughs> bad stuff happens. You make mistakes, and and again, good offensive systems like Kyle, like this, where the quarterback you just uh, again you can take comfort in knowing that I I just got to go out and wherever wherever the reads tell me to throw it, I throw it, and and usually good stuff's gonna happen, right? Yeah, you're describing a system with a plan with an identity with a time-tested approach to how to move the ball down the field that is, yeah, now conspicuous when it comes to just the success they've had. But then you add in these weapons, right? You alluded to the talent around them. And one of those weapons, you know, Debo Samuel got hurt and we're awaiting the full medical update here. But the yeah. word is post-game per Kyle Shanahan that they're not sure of the extent of it, but it's most likely a high ankle sprain. It is not broken. 
which feels like good news, although, again, it looked terrifying when he's carted off and his head is in his hands, Debo's. Yep. And just explain how he fits into this and can they survive, you know? Like, at what point At what point do you keep losing enough talent that the system actually begins to malfunction? And just hate to see this. This is one of the most exciting uh, players in football, uh, one of the most versatile players in football, if not the most versatile, right? I mean, and, and if... It's like the perfect marriage between him and Kyle, right? We've talked about that he's this offensive wizard, and you've got this Swiss Army knife of a of an offensive weapon, and you can just move him around and do anything and everything with him, and Kyle does, and it's just amazing to watch. But beyond that, Debo, Debo really brings a personality to this team and to this offense. And a lot of times you can even feel it through the TV. Like the, the entire sideline is energized by this. And at a home game, the entire stadium feeds off it. I mean, it, it, it's... It, they, they go nuts for this, and, and he brings this, and he really kind of sets the tone, I think, for this physical personality that is the Niners, right? Like, that, that they can be both. Yes, we're this, yes, we got all these playmakers, and we're moving around, doing all this awesome stuff, but we're also just a tough-ass offense, and we're going to run at you and hit you, and Debo kind of embodies all of that. And so... Uh, really hopeful that, that, again, that it's not serious and that he can make it back. Because, again, I think that he is kind of the core of this offense. And what they what they look to, like, really kind of embody again is, is everything that Debo stands for as a football player. That, that, yeah, you can have the electric wild plays, but also just the tough-mindedness and physicality that he brings to a receiver position, uh, which is, is, is incredibly unique. So last thing on the Niners is just that you are, in fact, getting these texts from the people you know on the team and around the team. So what's the vibe right now, Alex? What's the vibe in San Francisco? Oh, it's it's electric right now, Pablo. I mean, it's 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 incredibly high, right? I mean, I think the buzz has built been building certainly about this entire team. And then last week it hurt, obviously, with Jimmy. We just we just talked about it. But uh I think today to, to have Tom Brady, the Bay Area kid, coming home um and then to just get shellacked like that. And, and to have Brock Purdy, I think, play as poised as he did, it's, it's what you were looking for him to do. I mean, he threw 21 passes, 16 to 21. He had a great little scramble touchdown as well. He had three touchdowns. Like, I think for him, it's, it's a great experience for him to build off of as they continue to kind of march forward. And, and again, we've talked about all these offensive weapons. It, it also is amazing that this defense, I mean, the, the defense is out of control right now. Yes. I mean, they look, they look like the real deal. And so to be able to pair all these things together – one of the most complete teams potentially in the NFL, even with a third-string rookie last pick at the helm. Yeah, all right, Alex. After the break, a team that we thought had answered all of the questions is, yeah, suddenly confronted with a couple new ones. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. 
taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, Alex, this other game that we got to talk about was a game that looked like it was going to be a blowout. Another game to get punted off of television, maybe in favor of one of the other ones going on. It ended up being something of a nail-biter, or at the very least, something that Chiefs fans really might be worried about now, because the Chiefs went up 27 to zip on the Broncos, and they needed to hold on to win 34 to 28. But before we even get into that, I, I do need you to just help with the, like, have you... Like, have, had you seen the thing that Patrick Mahomes did before? Mahomes being pressured, moves to his right. They're coming from behind him. Now flings it, slings it to McKinnon at the 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown! They were all over him. And he just slings it under his hip to McKinnon for a 56-yard touchdown. Like, because I don't know what to call that. And I want to know if you know what to call that. I've, like, I've gotten to the point where I'm, like, I, I try to stop being so surprised by some plays he made. This one, I, I couldn't help but laugh at as I saw it. And and just like, I mean, this is Patrick. The play he made today on a third and two, scrambling around, he tucks the ball away. He's scrambling to his right, if the listeners haven't seen this. And he's kind of running out to his right as a ball carrier now. And he's got Jarek McKinnon, who's up in front of him, and, and it looks like he's going to block for him. And, and as we've seen, you know, Patrick kind of has this funny demeanor as he as he's scrambling and running. He's kind of almost out of control. Yeah, the, I want the listener to understand that Alex Smith is currently sort of like uh, spasmically moving his head around. It is a, a bit spastic, <laughs> like when he's doing this and he's running. And Jarek McKinnon, instead of blocking, like slips the defender. So now it almost puts Pat in this like weird situation where he's got he's got a guy chasing him down from behind, and now all of a sudden he's got a defender in his face, and he's clearly not going to make the first down marker. So, and in a split second, almost not even looking, right, as he's about to get crunched by both these guys, he literally just hot potatoes this ball, almost no looking up, and he's right on the sideline, right? And he, like, hot potatoes this ball over the defender and hits Jarek McKinnon, like, dead in stride. It's unbelievable. Who takes off for this, like, 56-yard touchdown. I'd never seen a ball thrown like that intentionally. Like, just, yeah. again, to further give the visuals on it, it it's, it's almost an anti-spiral. It's almost like a knuckleball shot put kind of deal, right? No, it's not a throw. I mean, you're not—I mean, this isn't <laughs> a, throw, a classical pretty throw as, as you would think of it, but— I mean, just in the situation, and all of a sudden that he's running out and he put he gets himself in this. It's it's kind of an awkward situation, honestly. And and sometimes this happens, but somehow he gets himself out of it. And not only gets out of it, but again, a 56-yard touchdown. I mean, this was a game-breaking play. And listen, it, this is one thing to go do this in the backyard on Thanksgiving with your buddies, right? Or even in youth football or high school football. But to be playing at the NFL level with with 21 of the greatest athletes on in the world. A good defense in the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos, one of the better defenses in the NFL. And just to play with this freedom and creativity, it's just so unique. You, you just don't see it. You don't. He's, he's the only guy doing it like this. 
Uh, the other touchdown he threw later to Juju Smith-Schuster was unreal as well. It was another one of his, you know, he wheeled back around in a big circle, came running back up the pocket and got crunched by three Broncos uh, before he hit Juju Smith-Schuster in the back of the end zone. I mean, and he just, I, I think even when you call the perfect defense versus a guy like Pat, like he, he can do this uh, against you. You think you got him stopped and then uh, he flips it on you so fast. And it's just, uh, it's really special to watch. Today, it was, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, it looks, he makes it look so easy, like he's playing, you know, amongst kids and had him up 27-0. Uh, the Broncos did storm back and make this a game, fortunately, because it looked like it was going to get ugly. Well, let's talk about how that happened, right? Because you're talking about the freedom of Patrick Mahomes. He is an artist who gets to sort of paint in this, you know, um, yeah, not a classical painter, but certainly one of the great modernists we've ever seen. But part of that seems to be a little recklessness, right? I mean, this is this is a game that became a game because he ended up throwing three picks, Alex, which is easily, I mean, of course, a season high. It doesn't happen very often. Um, but it happened today, and this has been a thing we've been monitoring too with you, is just the turnovers from the Chiefs' offense. So what what happened here, really? Listen, this certainly was part of Patrick's maybe past at, at Texas Tech if you go all the way back to his college days, that mm. like maybe the knock on him was that this gunslinger mentality uh, that, yeah, you got these highlight real plays, but you also got, you know, some some bad turnovers. That that really hasn't been the case with Patrick since he's played at the NFL level. I mean, this is a guy that takes care of the football as good as anybody. I mean, he, he's thrown eight interceptions on the touchdown. That, that's to go along with 30 touchdowns, which, by the way, is the, the tops in the league, right? He's thrown for more yards than anybody in the league. He has the highest QBR in the league. Like, I mean, this guy is lighting the world on fire. Uh, and again, there is going to be a certain amount with, with this playmaking ability and the freedom that he plays with. And again, the creativity and artistry that there are going to be some times that it gets you. And I know Listen, 30 touchdowns, eight interceptions, you're going to take that every day of the week. What he brings to the table is, is just game-changing. Again, I just think back, we just we, we talked about how great the 49ers defense is. This is probably the number one defense in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I mean, Patrick dismantled them a few weeks ago, right? Blew them out. It wasn't even close. And, and I think that's what he brings. And, and I, again, when you think about his record in November and December, I mean, has he lost one game ever? Like, this guy... When when the stage gets bigger, he plays better. So I don't I don't certainly have a concern um, in a turnover department. Film tomorrow, Alex. What what is that session like after a game in which Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback that is alive right now, throws three picks? What does Andy Reid do with that? He won't have to. The best part is Andy won't have to say anything because that's how that's how Patrick's wired. This isn't a kid that says comes in is like, whatever. I threw three touchdowns. We won. Like he's not dismissing this. He's. He, he, this is one of the best competitors I've ever been around. He's harder on himself than anybody. I he, I guarantee he's watched it tonight and he already knows the mistakes he's made and he's going to improve on. He gets the importance of taking care of the football. So I, I, I really don't see this as a problem going forward. And it's something that, again, even as Andy, I know this, right? Like, you don't want to quelch uh, the playmaking, right? Like, right. it's a very fine line. You want to coach... Uh, things that are coachable and, and have good fundamentals, but also you're, you don't want to take away the freedom uh, that he and this offense bring. And, and again, I, I just don't think he's going to have to. Patrick, th this is the way he's hardwired. Uh, that's the type of, of player that he is. Um, and that's also why he's the best. All right. 
Coming up, we get to the NFC North, where kneecaps are being eaten and big men are, yeah, they're getting even bigger portions, actually, than you might expect. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So the Vikings-Lions game in our ongoing coverage of the Minnesota Vikings team that we think is good, or at the very least has a good record, but gets routinely disrespected and now has lost to a team in the Lions, 34-23, to that would be surprising if Vegas did not also disrespect the Vikings in this way, favoring the Lions by two points, actually, before this thing kicked off. And so what did you learn about the Vikings and or the Lions as this one played out as it did. You know, it turns out those folks in Vegas sometimes know what they're doing. Yeah, funny how that works. A lot of talk that, that yeah, how could you, I mean, the Vikings are 10-2. and two. They have the second best record in football. Like, how could they be underdogs to the lowly Lions who quietly have been playing really good football here as of late? I mean, we should have been on an unbeaten streak, lost on a last-second field goal on Thanksgiving Day to the Buffalo Bills. But other than that, have, have, have been stringing along uh, week after week here as of recently some really good performances and did the same today. There wasn't a ton of defense played in this game, Pablo. There was a lot of, I mean, it was almost 900, <laughs> yards, that. 900 yards of offense. The Detroit Lions could not stop Justin Jefferson, but it didn't matter. Uh, they were just an offensive juggernaut. They have quietly built... I think one of the best skilled groups in the NFL. Mm. They got Jamison Williams back last week. Their their number one pick, uh, receiver from Alabama. Amon Ross St. Brown has turned into one of the best receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. This two-headed monster at running back uh, that is DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams is one of the better duos in the NFL. And then again, this offensive line. When you talk about units, the five positions up there, you know, maybe second to the Eagles mm. in, in that regard is, is how good they are. And the, the lost man in all this is, is Jared Goff. Yeah, you know, the, the yeah. guy that got traded away for Matthew Stafford and, and uh, what turned out obviously to be the Super Bowl for the Rams last year and kind of the, you know, forgotten about, shipped off. No, the number one overall pick reclamation club, charter member now, seems to be Jared Goff. Yes. 
And he is playing really, really good football this year. When you talk about arm talent, this is like something that gets, you know, arm talent's a, a phrase they love to throw around. Yeah, it always makes me giggle. Like, yeah, what that phrase is. I take that as meaning just that how many throws can you make? Can you throw with power? Can you throw with touch? Short, intermediate, down the field, right? I mean, just like how well-rounded uh, you are. And and this is a guy that, from an arm talent perspective, can throw it with anybody. Mm. When, when you see it in person, I mean, the, it just it jumps out of his hand. Uh, he can throw it all over the yard, and he's kind of in a perfect place. He plays in a dome in Detroit. They're playing wide open. He's got a head coach and an offensive coordinator that, you know, play very, very aggressively. And again, we talked about it earlier. Like when you, when you play for an offense like that, it's fun as a quarterback. Like it, it's fun when 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 the plays are coming in, and you got good players around you, and uh, you get to be back there. And you all of a sudden, it, you start playing with that kind of confidence. And I really see that shining through with Jared Goff. Well, the one the one skill position guy that you didn't mention who turned out to clinch the game with their with with an enormous play is Panay Sewell, who happens to be the six foot five, three hundred and thirty-five pound tackle. Like it wasn't quite a thick six as we have commemorated it on this show. Shout out to Mike Golick Jr. eternally on that. But it was a variation on it. It was a thick third down conversion. Yeah, it sealed the game. Panay Sewell is reported as eligible, so they have six offensive linemen in the game. What will Ben Johnson dial up to try to keep this drive going and kill this clock, win this game, and get out of here? I had a double take at the end, you know, because the Vikings were looking for a big third down and stop. It was third and seven. It was their chance to try and, like, somewhat, you know, have a, a desperation attempt at this game. And they're motioning across this giant 300-pounder who's who's motioning at full speed. Like, he, this isn't a jog <laughs> across the line of scrimmage. So Jared Goff's under center. He's sprinting behind him, and he is moving. And they run this little quick play action to the halfback, and they run him out into the flat to the right of the screen, and he's wide open. In motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Oh, oh, first down. You know, Jared Goff kind of delivers a ball out there to him, and it's a good ball, but it's up above his shoulders, which isn't necessarily when you want to throw a ball to an offensive tackle. I mean, and the grace that he catches this with. How about those hands? Thank you. And I'll tell you what, man, like, that was a good catch. Yes. He had to go up and get that because yes, Goff had to get man. that ball over. I think it was Daniil Hunter's head. He had pressure right in his face. It's a two-hand catch. He catches it with both hands, pirouettes and spins, turns up for the first down, has a wherewithal not to run out of bounds, right? Because the game's over. He dives down inbounds. It literally had to take a double take that this was their their starting right tackle that was doing this. I had a feeling something was coming today because I talked to some of the coaches before this game. They said, just wait. You're going to see something today that's going to make you go wow. I think that was the moment that made us all go wow. That was just beautiful. But that gimmick, how how... How do you approach that before the play? Like, have you, I mean, how often have you drunk from that chalice? I've been uh, the benefactor of some of these. You know, my time in Kansas City, especially, you know, Andy Reid, former big man, has a soft spot uh, for, <laughs> right. for any, any and all athletic big men 
uh, get a tryout in Kansas City. He's always he always goes over and sees which which one of them can catch. He always sees which ones played offense in high school. And so my time there, we had Dontari Poe, who was our nose guard, our three hundred and fifty. 60 pound nose guard. That is a thick, that is a thick nose guard. Yes. Who was a great athlete, is a great athlete. And so it it started with him playing fullback and kind of being the lead fullback and he would block in goal line situations. And then it was like, what the heck? Let's give him one. Let's hand off a little fullback dive. And I kind of kept thinking like, we're not really going to hand it to him. And like, you know, because again, you don't practice these plays full speed. Like in the season, you're kind of practicing them and jock through red zone kind of situations. Sure enough, we called it in a game, and Duntari Poe leaps over the pile for the touchdown on this little fullback dive. And look at the big guy lining up in there at fullback. Look at him going airborne, throwing himself around. What a play. Well, then later, we put in this little slip screen to a nose guard, Pablo, at the goal line to Duntari Poe. Power eye set, the sausage, Duntari Poe. This might be a pass to Poe. I'm going to tell you, this might be a pass to Poe on a wide receiver screen. It is. Poe with the catch, and he drags into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City! A pass to Dom Terry Poe! Sure enough, we call that bad boy, and it, it, it scores. And then we even put in the jump pass. The, their version of the fridge. Here comes yep. Don Terry Poe in. Well, he's no stranger to the end zone. Got he's going to take it. Look at this. He's going to throw. Touchdown. Look at the players. Poe to Harris. You may see that one about 10 million times the rest of your life. He ran a touchdown, threw a touchdown, and caught a touchdown in his time in Kansas City. And so was, <laughs> those, those are things that what they do for a team's morale and energy, like when you have it going. But it's it's the morale boost on your sideline, and then on the other sideline, it feels like what would you imagine? Oh, it's equally demoralizing, right? Like when the team's pulling out their their like fun plays, they're like, you know, like, yeah, hey, they yeah, just got a yeah. touchdown to the nose guard. Hey, they just threw the ball to the right tackle. Like, and then their whole sidelines erupting like today. Like when you see Dan Campbell and all the coaches just going bananas, you know, when he caught it and sealed off the game. Like it's, it's, that's, it's amazing to see, especially because it's so rare at the NFL level again. To see that kind of creativity, um, in a big situation, so oftentimes these coaches and players get tight and get conservative. And so fun to see um, kind of flip the script, so to speak, and uh, for it to work, especially. Yeah, Alex, I'm now looking at the end here for a through line for today's episode. And I'm realizing that, yeah, I should thank you for reminding us that sometimes size, you know, does does matter. So sometimes, Pablo. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.